Coming up, an open, honest, and candid conversation with two-time All-American and two-time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Carter on the reason why he chose the University of Minnesota over another Big Ten school, the aftermath of losing the 2000 NFC Championship game with the Vikings, winning two Super Bowls in Pittsburgh, thoughts about the league itself, a lot to unpack with today's guest, but first, this message. Hey everybody, Jay Reels here to share a friendly reminder. If this is your first time getting an opportunity to listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the world of sports, welcome aboard. Or if you've been a long-time listener, not only do I welcome you back, but I want to advise you to all, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the J-Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to them. Of course, this pod is on all platforms, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, even Amazon Music. I not only host this endeavor... But I independently produce, edit, and write what you read and listen to. So your participation is vital to increase the visibility of this platform to those who aren't familiar with it. In turn, to generate interest to those who aren't aware or know of this podcast, especially the former or current athlete, broadcaster, blogger, sports writer, studio host, etc. As I want them to share their experience on the field, the court, press box, broadcast booth, or in the studio with me. So then I can flip that to you guys and gals to deliver top-notch, fast-paced, entertaining, informative, and credible sports talk unlike any other for everyone to listen to and enjoy and to keep coming back for more on a week-in, week-out basis. You can also go to the website for more information about me, the pod, archive shows at www.jreels.com. I appreciate you all. I thank you very much for listening, trusting, and believing in me. So with that said, the J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, a special midweek podcast, as you well know, if it's Thursday, that means I have a special guest, that'll be coming up right in a matter of moments, as you're listening to the J Reels podcast, delivering everything that's going on in the world of sports, for my first timers, welcome aboard, and for those who've been banging with me for now 180 episodes, I welcome you guys back, it is a Thursday, February the 25th, in the year of our Lord 2021, today my special guest brings a lot of passion, energy, and most of all, candor and honesty, a former two-time All-American in Minnesota, a two-time Super Bowl champion of the Pittsburgh Steelers, defensive back Tyrone Carter shares a lot over the course of this conversation that will have your attention unlike any other. We cover a variety of things ranging from choosing the University of Minnesota and the whole recruiting process, being drafted, chosen by the Minnesota Vikings, the differences between Coach Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin, the ferocity of the Ravens-Steelers rivalry, winning two Super Bowls, etc., etc. We tackled a lot during this discussion and he held nothing back. So if you're in the presence of children or listening at work, you may want to plug your headphones in because Tyrone is a straight shooter and told it like it is, so there is some language that's not suitable for the youngsters. There are many references to the state of this country as well, as we recorded this the week after Joe Biden officially won the election in mid-November. 
So get ready, everybody. This is the most impactful and powerful one-on-one to date. Note, around the 47-minute mark, I had to pause because Tyrone was discussing about his uncle and became emotional, so we picked up where we left off with a question that I had about winning Super Bowl Forty. We had almost an hour and a half together, and I could have talked to him for hours. So without further ado, former NFL safety Tyrone Carter, and I'll see you on the other side of this exchange. Enjoy. All right, on the line is an 11-year NFL veteran, played on two Super Bowl teams with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also, got to give him credit for being an All-American, two-time All-American at the University of Minnesota. And one thing that I share in common with my upcoming guest is that we both share a birthday, believe it or not, and that's Tyrone Carter, who joins me here. Tyrone, welcome to the podcast, my man. How you doing today? Oh, man, thanks for having me on, man, and... It's been a great day, I tell you that much, because we got our first African American queen in the in the seat as a vice president. That's right. All the time people talk about talk about our kings all the time. That's why you got me on here. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, we forget it takes a queen to make a king. So I want to first off congratulate Camilla Harris and Joe Biden for being our next president and our next vice president. And making history again like Obama did. So now we can keep going. You talk about football. You talk about what I'm doing now. I'm back in the state of Minnesota where it started for me. Okay. My success started in Minnesota, going to the University of Minnesota. It was directed by my queen, my grandmother. Wow. I was getting scholarship offers in the ninth grade. And I was always good at everything I did. The key thing was I didn't have no direction. I didn't have no angle. I was angry. I was mad. Mm. I always was like, why me? Why my family? From my upbringing. Uh, going through my upbringing, I got to give you a synopsis so you can understand where I'm coming from. All right. At five years old was my first trauma, seeing my father hit my mom in the head with a crowbar mm. and knocking her out, and she laying in the puddle of blood. In the midst of that, I had to say mama to my own mother to wake her up, thinking she was dead at that time. Wow. Now, fast forward, I lost my mother four years ago. Mm, sorry to hear that. And in the midst of that, I really understand my purpose on this earth. And I really understand why God blessed me to accomplish the thing I accomplished in my life. Mm-hmm. Because now it's time for me to let y'all know and the world just showed us by having the first, first woman. Let's take away the African-American first. Just say first woman. Right. There's never been a female in that seat, right? So that's right there. I've been in the state of Minnesota for eight years. Eight represent change. Mm. Seven is the number of completions. So me being in Minnesota for eight years, and that eight represent change, I'm here trying to change some things. In the midst of me being here eight years, I started a TC Elite Foundation. That TC Elite Foundation is service to mothers, single mothers, kids in the system that went the same track record I went through growing up, which I know there's no kid in this world that's growing up in today's society that's going through stuff that I can't help them understand that their life it's not dictated on just that. You can move past that. Mm-hmm. 
So I started with the University of Minnesota first, being a consultant with them, letting them know that, listen, it's going to be hard for you guys to try to get some Southern kids because no one is cold, and then your culture up here is different. So what you do is you plant your soil and your seed, plant your seed in your soil, and see what happens. Well, they told me football ain't good up here, and the coaches don't do what they're supposed to do. So what I did is I went to not, uh, not nine, I went to 397 high schools, and I asked these coaches this very two questions. The first one was, what, what type of kids are you getting and what type of kids are going out? Mm. And the majority of them all came out with, I got D2, D3 kids, and I got D2, D3 kids going out. Now, right there, I was lost because I'm a competitor, man. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, you are measured by what you produce. And it ain't everybody always want good players, but nobody want hard-working players that I can make him great. Right. So I started that and said, hey, man, did you guys see something wrong with that picture y'all just told me? They say, no, we just ain't got no talent. Hmm. I said, well, let me tell you something. You sound like the student when you are the coach. You're supposed to be producing. If you get D2, D3 kids, your job is to make your D3 kids D2, your your D2 kids D1. Why are you guys not doing that? Well, I know hockey, wrestling, in Minnesota, it's a top sport. In basketball, football is last. Mm. But football is the only sport that going to teach these kids about life. Smelling, yeah. picking yourself up, learning how to work with different group of guys, coming, taking your individual, your selfishness out of it, and become a selfish, a self, a selfless person, meaning you care for each other. And once you're able to do that, now I could talk about my next level. Going to the University of Minnesota, they've been on a drought for 25 years. Yeah. I never lost as many games in my life till I got to Minnesota. Mm. That I had to learn a different outlook of losing. And in that, in that message, I had to learn it ain't all about winning or losing. It's, it's about Giving your best effort. And if you gave your best effort, you know right then I I either didn't do good enough and now I got to go do some more work. Mm -hmm. And if I did good, that ain't good enough. I got to do some better and critique myself. You see what I mean? Absolutely. And where did that stem from? Where did that come from as you were growing up? I'm sure that had to be an influence, whether it was someone maybe in your family or even more so. Uh, as a collegiate and also professional, uh, was there someone along the way that really instilled that in you to where you are today? No doubt. I'm going to start with this one. The first one I got to give credit to is my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Her name is Mamie V. Veronica Carter. She had 13 kids of her own, 12 boys, one girl. She got me when I was seven. 
She molded me into the man I am today, and it took me three years. Because at three years, I remember it very clearly. Mm-hmm. She got me at seven, and at 10 years old, I knew I changed my life. Wow. Because I got expelled from fifth grade, and my grandma could get me into another school in 10 days. And in the process of that 10 days, I got whooped every day, mm-hmm. twice. And I had to go out in the yard and work. And she taught me that she was going to whoop me and I was going to have to work instead of going to school because now she got to stay home and make sure I'm okay because I can't stay home by myself. Right. After the eighth day, I said, Grandma, I got it now. You ain't got to whoop me. She said, no, the hell I ain't. (laughs) I told you 10 days and you're going to get the 10 days because it don't matter. You're going all 10 because you can't go to school. In the midst of that, I realized I got to change. And I'm going to listen to my grandmother, Mm -hmm. for one, and I'm going to see what it takes me. When I listened to my grandma, she told me this. She said, son, these very three things. She said, you can accomplish anything you want in this world if you're willing to see it, meaning see yourself doing it, believe it, meaning believe you can do it, and work for it daily. Not a day should go by with you not working towards your golden dream that you set up for. Well, I'm 44 years old, and I'm living proof today to tell you they told me two things going to happen to me, dead or jail. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a two-time consistent All-American. That's right. Now, consistent mean on all All-American boards, I was picked as an All-American. So that made me two-time All-American. I'm a Jim Thorpe Award winner, given to the best in the back. Now, that's three. Mm-hmm. You see that Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And I'm also an 11-year NFL vet. That's right. And I'm a two-time world champ. See how good God is? <laughs> so Absolutely. when they say mama knows, mama knows. And when my grandma called me a knucklehead, I knew what she meant by the knucklehead. We're going to always bump our head. And it takes a queen to lift us up, to see something in us that we ain't seen in ourselves. And now you got me. So now I changed my approach from accomplish my golden dreams that I set out to do. Now I'm setting out to save lives, our young kings and queens. It's two things this world is doing wrong that I believe America, I never say united till I see united again. Right. They're not taking care of our kids, and they're not taking care of our elders that's going out. So what are you saying? Mm -hmm. I looked up to my grandfather. My grandfather told me as a black man, you ain't worth shit till you own your own. (laughs) And my grandfather had his own with 27 kids. Wow. And he left his kids things. And he also left that wisdom to me to understand that I can control what's going on. Stop telling me these kids that's living today, they think they're entitled for something. They're not entitled for nothing. They got to work for theirs. What life for them, we have to set out for them for what they want. And then let them challenge them to go get it. Well, in the midst of these things, being raised by my grandmother and grandfather, my grandma told me this. It's three types of mind. Just like there's two types of people. And when you put that two types of people and three types of mind together, you get a two-time world champ number 23. That's right. 
Black and gold. And it's the second-born son of my mother, Sarah Francis Carter. And I'm the third oldest of my mother, Sarah Francis Carter. And I owe my life to my mother. And losing her four years ago made me see the University of Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings, the Pittsburgh Steelers in a different realm. I can understand why the Pittsburgh Steelers got six world champions. Mm-hmm. It was the first to do it. Right. Best organization around in the NFL. Mr. Rooney, he he understand the differences that we was facing as an African American. He came up with the minority rule, but you see the minority rule is in in existence. But guess what? You see Mike Tomlin, he's a winning African American coach in there. That's right. Look at him, mm-hmm. and we ate it all. <laughs> That's right. You see that eight again? Uh huh. Absolutely. And that's one. I got a choke over here. Always got a choke. Never been on a platform to be able to open his damn mouth, but they can open their mouth. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm here, risking my life, dedicating my life, because I promise God at my deepest point, if I ever become a professional, I'm going to teach these kids the right way. I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing from them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm not going to lie to them. Just like this world lot of up. A lot of these kids. Look what's on TV. They paint the wrong picture. They paint the wrong picture. Then when the kid's wrong, they always say, especially in the inner city where it's low-income areas, that's where the divide and conquer is at. Yeah. No, of course. But I'm teaching these kids these these three mindsets. Small minds, think of people, discuss people. Average mind, think of events, discuss events. Great mind, think of ideas, discuss ideas. And I know back on my life, the most ideas I had was as a kid. But it's people that damper your dreams, put water on your fire, and tell you what you can't and can't do. And I'm here to let these kids know that they can do whatever they want to do. Just continue to work for it. Stop looking for a handout. Stop right. looking for it to drop in your lap. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about failing. Failing is a part of life. We're all going to fail. It's what you do with it when you get up. That's right. Get your butt up. Don't you wallow in your mess. I can hear my grandma telling me now. Oh. Don't wallow in your mess. Get your butt up. You either go to the left, go to the right. I either got to go over top of you or I got to get up under you. I'm going to get through you. (laughs) That's right. That's what we got to do. So that's what I'm doing, man. And I risk my life every day, man. No, and you save another life. No, and you're doing great work. I've seen that on Twitter for what you've done, especially with the foundation you just mentioned. And, of course, starting off the discussion here about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and the direction of this country, and that could be a podcast all to itself. So I will say this, my man, you're doing yeoman's work out there to not only teach the youth, but also to empower them to know that hard work is the road to success and not, like you said, the shortcuts, the, you know, just the handouts, whatever it is. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man, because obviously the world needs a lot of that in order for this, you know, in order for this America to finally be not even just great again, just to be good. Exactly. See, that's what I'm saying. People are saying be great again. America never been great. Man. I agree. Yep. It never been great for us, man. I know it ain't been never been great for me. 
No, I feel you. Feel me? Absolutely. All I want to do is let's make America love each other. Right. Let's make America start loving each other. Totally agree. That's where I'm at. No, I feel you, man. I'm with that too, without question, a thousand percent. Now, speaking of Minnesota, I'm curious to find out as a Florida kid, and we know that down in your neck of the woods there in Broward County, you have right down the road pretty much is University of Miami and then up the state, Florida, Florida State. But you chose Minnesota of all places. Did you set out to, after all the recruits and all the letters that came in, was it Minnesota recruiting you more than you wanted to go there? How was that whole process considering you went from the heat of Florida to the cold of Minnesota? It was Michigan State the first one recruited me because Michigan State already had my cousin, Najee Carter. Mm. He already had my cousin, Najee Carter, man. He already had Najee Carter. So we grew up in the same household with my grandmother. Uh-huh. So uh, my grandmother took a liking to Jim Wacker. I already had a son at 16 years old. Mm. My grandma didn't want me to stay in Florida. She kept on saying that all the time because... She didn't want me to be around my baby mama. And she always told me that my baby mama is going to have me pay for her for the rest of her life. Mm. And having that baby, she wanted me out of the state of Florida. She already told me I was going to Florida schools because of that. So in the process of that, Minnesota, Jim Wacker, I came up on a visit. But I went to Michigan State first. And when I went to Michigan State, you know who was the coach then? Oh, the Spartans at that time. That was uh, 98-99, I'm right? Tell you, 19, I'm going to tell you, it was 1995. Can you tell me who was the coach of Michigan State? Was that Nick Saban? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban. Absolutely. Okay. Now, Nick Saban made my grandma's decision to say she wanted me to go to Minnesota confirm. Because I was going to Minnesota next, and my grandma set up all my visits. And they was given five visits. I never left the state of Florida until I went to taking my visits. Right. And I never flew on to nothing. So I go to Michigan State, and Nick Saban told me that I had to decide right then, are they going to pick Amp Campbell? That was in, that was in northern Florida. I was in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And I said, hold on, Mr. Saban. I got five visits. My grandma scheduled my visit, and I'm going to take all my visits because my grandma told me I got to see all my options out there. I can't just take this first one, but I'm going to come to you because you got my cousin. I feel more comfortable around my cousin. He was offense, and I was offense and defense. So, man, I'm coming. He said, if you don't come here, if you don't decide now, we're going to pick Amp Campbell. Mm. I say, well, you might as well go on and pick Aunt Campbell because I'm telling you right now, my grandma made them visits and she gonna, she ain't going to let me. She going to make me go to my visit and I'm going to my visit. So right. you could go on and I left. The next visit was Minnesota. I didn't even know Minnesota was in the Big Ten with <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yep. I got to Minnesota. I said, Kevin, I see they got all the helmets up there. I said, hey, man, why y'all got Michigan State right there? He said, man, this is the Big Ten. We play them. They in the Big Ten. I said, y'all do? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, hey, man, I got three more visits. Don't you tell nobody. This I told Kevin Sumlin this. Don't you tell nobody, man. 
I'm going to come to your school because, see, that goddamn white boy over there, Nick Saban, what he just told me, I'm going to go bust his ass. I want to play against him. I want to <laughs> play against him. I'm coming, y'all. Right. Don't tell nobody. So I went to take my next visit was Clemson and then Ole Miss. I didn't take my visit to Ole Miss because they just burnt the cross on the, on, the, on the ground, and it was on the news, and my grandma said, hell no, I'm not going to that. Mm. So I said, I'm going to make my choice to go to Minnesota, and I came to Minnesota. Check that out. And then, like you said, at the very top, two-time All-American, Jim Thorpe Award, even was up for the Bronco Nagurski Award for Best Collegiate Defensive Player. And why did you fall into the fourth round of the draft in 2000 when you came out? Because for everything that you did in college, you would think that you would have been top five, or the top overall pick with uh, what Man, you did was, in college. Do you know Do you know I was one and two on everything in, at my position? Oh, I believe Combine, it. I had the fastest. I had the fastest forty. I had the fastest three cone drill. I, I was everything. Me and Mike Brown, right? Back then, safeties didn't get picked in the first round. It wasn't no first round safety, but I know I should have been either one or two safety picks. But Mike Brown, both of us started in the Senior Bowl, and he went second round to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears was trying to draft me. They're the only one was calling me all the time. They found out that I got locked up when I was 17 for, for uh, drugs that I thought was off my record. Mm. I didn't even know it was on my record because it was never me. But my name get tied up with my brother. But at the end of the day, I get locked up and I took it. They said Chicago called me that the night of the draft, I'm going to say the day, the night before the draft, they called me and they said, they said, T.C., Oh, you got arrested? We didn't know you got arrested. Why y'all? Why you lied to us? I said I didn't know. What you mean? I, I they said they were gonna never be on my record. I should never got it. I was a I was a juvenile then, so I don't. I never knew about this. Deal. I ain't never had to answer that question. They drafted Mike Brown instead of me. Mm. And then you went all the way down to the fourth round. And funny enough, I too, went all the way down to the hundred, a hundred and eight pick, a hundred eighteen, I think it was. 118, I believe it was. Right. If my mind serves me better. 108 or 118. One of the two. My memory's gone. I had a limb concussion, but mm. those things you ain't going to never forget. I don't give a fuck how many concussions I had. <laughs> my life. No, it's but, all right. It's all good, man. But that's what happens. But it didn't matter to me because I really didn't care why I got drafted. I just wanted the opportunity to be out there. To be out there with the best, because I know I'm the best. And I let everything speak for itself. So, hey, wherever I ended up at, I'm good. I ended up getting drafted to Danny Green. I was so thankful. I told him, I thank you, Coach, for believing in me, and I won't let you down. Don't you know I started as a freshman, as a rookie? Mm -hmm. I started as a freshman in college. I started as a rookie here in the state of Minnesota. And guess what? I started on the NFC Championship game my rookie year. And I want to talk about that, and too. We got goose egg, 41 nothing to New York. Uh, yeah, I remember it well. And, in fact, I have two diehard Viking fans, especially one in particular who's lived in the Bronx his whole life and has been a diehard Viking fan. And that lost things in more than some of the other games that the Vikings experienced over the years. And I can only imagine what that must have been like because you beat New Orleans the week before in the divisional round. And then here it is to go to the Super Bowl, like you said, 41 nothing. 
what was that experience like? Was it just them coming out of the gate and blitzing you guys and it was almost as if you had your head spinning wondering what the hell was going on? Or did you just look at it as like, yo, they just came out the ball that day and we didn't have any answers for them? Man, listen to this here, man. It was 21 nothing. Seven minutes. Yeah. 21 nothing. We kicked the ball off. Storm, Dennis Dixon ran that shit back for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. We kicked the ball. They kicked the ball off the ups. Troy Walsh was from the ball. They get it on the 20-yard line. They punched that thing in and scored. Don't they call Pepper throw an interception. They punched that thing in and scored. Yep. Man, I'm out here like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. Everybody start arguing. I'm like, man, hold on, man. Slow up. Yeah. But let me tell you the key in Greece. You ready for this? I'm ready. And this is going to be the first time it ever hit this dream. Mm. All right. This is the key in Greece. That snake, that liar, Mike Tice, that lied and said he had a degree from Maryland. He didn't even have a degree from Maryland. He snaked Coach Green and lied on Coach Green to get the job. God don't like ugly. Mm-hmm. This man is preparing for the Super Bowl the week we play in New York Giants, talking about we can prepare for Super Bowl. We should win this game. It took me to go to that black and gold to understand don't go beyond the game. Mm-hmm. One game at a time. At a time. Damn, to think that. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. So that we weren't prepared. We was underprepared from a rookie coach that don't know shit. Right. All he want to do is Debo. Mm. And that's the truth. No, I hear and you. When I went to the Steelers, when I went to the Steelers, I learned a true family. We wasn't a true family at the Vikings. It was all about power. Mm. We didn't start practice till Chris Carter come out. And then when the young guys see that, they want that shit. Right. They want to be baby. I call baby. I don't want you giving me nothing because I'm doing my job. You just make sure you take care of me if something happened to me. Right. Which the NFL don't do. NFL is full of crap. That's why they sponsored Donald Trump to save their pocket. They don't care about our lives playing out there. All they care about is their organization. That's why they sponsored them. Let everybody had to give a million dollars. So if you minimum million dollars, it's thirty one teams, thirty two teams. That's thirty two million he already got for him. Right. Do you see the already the help? Just imagine we got thirty two million as African Americans. What will we do? Mm-hmm. No, I totally Here feel I am and gave out my, my life to them. I never got surgery. I never broke a bone. I just knocked motherfuckers out. <laughs> As a safety, and that's I what you did, it. yep. And I knew it. And yeah. they see it on TV and everything. They get my little suit. I don't beat them in every case. And they still won't pay me my money. Mm. Why is that? Was y'all trying to wait for something to happen to me so I can't even get my money? Or why I can't give it to my kid? 
You see the difference? Oh, yeah. That's some bullshit. Yep. They make out that case, and they get on TV like the lawsuit, and they pay people. Do you know families that lost their loved one, and they still ain't got their money? I got my brother that's dying. And the last one just died for the Vikings. Mm. Matt Blair. I couldn't even give my brother some memories to help me that that his words helped me become the man I am today in the community. I couldn't even do that. Because he done lost his mind, they so to speak safe. And he had a funeral that they cremated him. And only eight people there. Thank God I had a day to spend with him. Because I refused to go back there, spending that time with my brother like that, that I got restrictions. Man, I tell you, I didn't even know. Go ahead. That's some fucked up shit, right? Yeah. That's why this sword can't win. Wow. How you do a boy like that? He helped me. He showed me about community here. And now, y'all embarrassed because he can't be the person he is right. that he once was. But damn you know what he once was. Let's share that memory with him. They denied that shit from me, man. Yeah. And I told him I'm going to come see my brother every Tuesday. Like he told me to get in the community every Tuesday on our off day. That's fucked up. But they want to expect some good shit to happen. Right. They need to change, man. Well, I'm here. I tell them right now. Jesus said, you could talk about me, you could kill me. I'll be back in three days. Well, I'm finna talk about that fucking fourth day. And I'm finna talk about four years, the number four in the state of Minnesota. What it means. If they want to see some championships in the male department, because the women is kicking ass. Mm. They got four national champions. Four, four world champs. The link. That's right. And now we got our first queen and vice president. That's right. Man. So now, catch them queens. The queens let Zimbabwe catch them. Change your way. We'll make something happen. Right. So I don't care if I get killed out here doing this. Mm. I'm going to do it. I die. That's right. And good for you, man. And you're a better man for it. I definitely, much props to you for that. Now, it's funny when we talk about Pittsburgh, because before, well, after your Viking career, you had your stop with the Jets. And then now you're in limbo because you didn't get to play for Pittsburgh until late October of 2004. So my question is, what was it like trying to go through not only the free agent process, but knowing that the training camp and the season was underway and you didn't have a job yet? Was there a little worry on your part, whether or not that you were going to get back in the league or whether a team was going to sign you? How was that whole process before you signed with Pittsburgh and then being a part of the Steelers in 2004? I'm glad you mentioned that, and I'm talking about you. I just told you I'm going to talk about what four means to me in the state of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Now, I came back to Minnesota for the fourth year. Minnesota tried to fuck me. Mike Tice. Right. I got a one-year deal. Guess what? They, they, they low-tended me and let me go to the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing all these bogus deals, and they played with my life. 
So they gave me a low tenor. Jet gave me a high one. So I go to the Jets. Mm -hmm. The Jets, you look at my record, look at my stats. I got three picks, 90, 100, I think it was 100-some tackles, and I led the team at, in everything, right? Yep. DBs, I was the top dog. My defensive coordinator was Ted Cottrell. Mm -hmm. The Jets fired everybody. Ted Cottrell get the defensive coordinator job at Minnesota. Ted Cottrell called me immediately. He wanted me to come with him. I said, man, I don't trust Mike Tice. Mm -hmm. Is Mike Tice giving you everything? He giving you assets? He said, yes. I said, okay then, coach, I'll come with you. But, boy, they got to pay now. <laughs> I want a one-year deal. So I fought them to get a one-year deal. They were trying to give me multiple-year deal. I didn't because I don't trust Tice. I want the one-year deal. I get a one-year deal in preseason playing Atlanta Falcons. Willie Alford hit me in my – he hit me in my – he made me sprain my MCL because he hit me in my leg mm. and sprained my MCL. Minnesota doctors talk about two weeks. I'll be back. Well, it was two weeks before the season. I said, okay, cool. I waited. I ain't got to play the preseason game anyway. So, okay, I'm rehabbing with them. They just ice and stem, ice and stem. I said, hey, man, I can't bend my leg. My rotation ain't in my leg, man. Mm. We be ice and stem, ice and stem. Y'all got to tell me what's up. They say, just got a little spring. I said, man, here with that. I called Dr. Andrews. Called my agent. Called Dr. Andrews, man. I got to go get a second pain. I called Andrews. He set an appointment. I told them I'm going to go get a second pain. They get mad with me. I said, how y'all get mad with me? Because I don't want to listen to y'all, doctor. I know my damn body. Y'all told me two weeks. I can't really move my motherfucking leg. <laughs> I ain't never been hurt. Right. So, I'm going to go get a second opinion. i got a one-year deal. i got to protect myself. I don't care if you get mad. So I fly down to the Mo Mobile, Alabama, and Dr. Andrews looked at me. He said, man, you good. You just got to get rehab. You ain't been doing rehab? I said, no, man. They all have been doing ice and stuff. He said, that's it? I said, yeah. He said, man, give me two weeks up here. I guarantee you, you'll be ready to play. I said, for real? I called their ass. I said, hey, man, y'all got me ice and stuff anyway, and I'm not coming back down there. I'm going to do my rehab up here. And when I'm done here, I'll be ready to play. He said, I'll be ready for the season. So, I don't use me doing that. They get mad. They put me on IR. Mm. So, I say, damn, IR, that means they still got to pay me my money. I'm a vet now. They still got to pay me my money. But as a vet, you never want to be a, go to another team on IR. You don't want to do that. Our injury report. So, I say, hell no. I say, Andrews, they put me on IR, man. He said, well, why are you mad? And I explained to him just like that. He said, well, well, damn. I said, you know I ain't going to be able to. I can't, I can't play with them. So they, I can't come off the IR to weekend. I'm not going to sit here no 10 weeks just collecting no money, man. No. When you, you say I could be ready in two weeks, I'll be ready in two weeks. I'll tell them I'll take an injury settlement. You give me a 10-week check anyway, and I'm going to be gone. You got to pay me my money anyway. Mm -hmm. So they say, they said, yeah. He said, Andrew said, yeah. I called them. Hey, man, I'm taking the injury settlement, man. I ain't doing no uh, IR. Ty say, okay, I want a 10 weeks. I signed that shit and I'm gone. <laughs> and then I, he said, well, you going to sign back with us? I told his ass, yes. Soon they signed that bitch. And I, I, they, they, I took the injury settlement. I had four teams calling me. Wow. Pittsburgh told me they got a bye week. 
they want to fly me over there. I don't need to work out or do nothing. They just want to see me move a minute, do some position drills. And and if you can pass our, he said, if you can pass our doctors, we'll sign you. I flew to Pittsburgh the next day. Hmm. And they leave Pittsburgh. I ain't leave Pittsburgh to 2010. Wow, that's right. I went to Pittsburgh in 04. I ain't leave Pittsburgh to 2010. And I could have stayed in Pittsburgh. But I chose to leave because it was their time to show me. They supposed to pay me mm-hmm. more. And they didn't show me. And I say, fuck it. I know I could, I get what I'm, you going to give me anywhere. So the hell with that. I left. So now you get to Pittsburgh in 04, and then obviously they come that close to the Super Bowl that you guys lose to the Patriots that year. And then the following year, that was the big one because I heard just based on some video I watched with Ben Roethlisberger telling Jerome Bettis, we're going to come back, you know, to have him come back for one more year so we could take you out with a Super Bowl victory and especially with the Super Bowl being in Detroit. And that whole playoff run beating Cincinnati, that Colt game was no joke, which I'm sure you're standing on the sideline with the Bettis fumble and the missed field goal at the end. If you could uh, just take us on a little journey as to what that experience was like in 05, that whole playoff run, and then, of course, the pomp and circumstance of playing in a Super Bowl for the first time. Well, for me to go to 05, see, my grandma always told me it's one, two, three, four, and it's A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. We would talk about 04 when I got to Pittsburgh. That 04 season, you guys don't understand. When I got there, they brought Deuce Daly there. Ben got drafted as a quarterback. Yep, first year, yep. When Ben got the quarterback position, we went, we won 15 straight, I believe. And something happened that Deuce Daly came there. Our leader and captain is Jerome Bettis, the Buffs. Mm-hmm. The Buffs had to do some things that I don't think a normal man would have did. I know neither one of us could have did it. He had to humble himself and be unselfish and help a man play his position. That was hard when it was taken from him. Right. That didn't do nothing wrong. Yeah, and tr- seeing that, mm-hmm. and seeing that happen that year in 04, that's why we cried and then cried because when Jerome Bettis got to the hill, look it up. Go back and do your research. He ran over Brian, Brian Erlock, a bitch ass that sit there and talk that shit. <laughs> the following year. The following year. I remember. Ran his ass over Snowball. Yeah, that's right. I remember. About black. Mm-hmm. You want to, Brian Erlock want to talk about black. That's why Jerome Bettis ran his bitch ass over. So we don't play that bullshit. <laughs> What's right is right. We don't care about no color. We don't care about no religion. We care about you got a job, do your job. That's it. Don't let your outside experience come in here, stopping up from winning the game, and you're not prepared. Leave your shit at the door. Mm-hmm. You need help, we help. That's right. But don't bring your shit in here. That was us. Coaches coach. Players play in the players team. Our, our leader was a bust. And our backbone 
was Joy Porter. Yep. Gonna speak it. Tell Coach Coward or any coach. Hey, man, we had enough, man. Go on out here. Give me a minute. Let me talk to my boys. We'll get back to you. All y'all coaches, get y'all ass out of here. <laughs> and then he stand up. Hey, man, what's going on, man? Y'all been out too much? Y'all niggas swooping. The man giving us an hour and a half practice. Why y'all ain't going fast, man? That's your peers. So you can't do that this day and age. But we did it. Right. And that black and gold, that's why we, we're close right now. We mm. got a group chat of all of us. Every day we talk. Nice. That's family. I'm here in Minnesota. I've been here for eight years. I talked to John Runner. That's my brother. Mm-hmm. He going to call me and check up on me. I'm going to call him and check up on him. Eddie Mack, he was my linebacker. He coached for Cooper. I'm going to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to chill with him. We're going to smoke cigars. And McDaniel, yep. That's it. Robert Griffin, when he in town, we're going to talk all the time. That's it. Come on, man. No. Minnesota, they ain't close. They all about a dollar bill. Mm. So guess what? This state got over 15, over 15, Fortune 500 companies. So they got over 15, Fortune 500 companies. That's a mixture of kids. People coming from all over the globe. Right. You ain't even got no identity of your own state. Mm. Interesting, man. I tell you. And then winning that Super Bowl, I'm sure just to be on the field, to see the confetti come down, to be you know, have a chance to grab that trophy and for everything that you've set up until this point when thinking about your grandmother going through your teenage years, college, and then you finally reach the mountaintop and winning that Super Bowl, uh, share that experience of what that was like. Man, I'm going to tell you, man, kickoff leading up to that day, having all my family that give you, I had I had 15 tickets, and I bought all 15 tickets, and to have all those people, all my family members there that had a very important part of me being at that forefront, Seeing all the lights flashing, man, I shed a tear, bro. I shed a tear for the first time. Mm. Just off excitement tears. Well, my grandma said, count it pure joy when you're facing trials and tribulations, knowing in the end we're going to win. That was that tear, man. Having my mama there, having my uncle there, man. My uncle E, Emery Carter. Having him there, bro, that did so much to me, man. That's an uncle that then look at our age. He judged us on the under, what we understood. And he want us to enjoy life each day. Not knowing what tomorrow brings, but you create it. You create your tomorrow. Because you can't wait to wake up tomorrow for what you have continued to work for. To be better than you was yesterday. That's right. And to have my Uncle Lucian that came to all my games, that's his brother. That's mm. the Carter, because they know his daddy failed. Uh-huh. They know their brother failed. Having my daddy there, too, and his brothers, they helped me. and showed me family. 
and I needed it to understand God took me through this. Right. And I didn't give up. And not giving up, it went along what my grandma always said about life. Life ain't nothing but a living experience. Mm. Keep living. Just don't quit, son. So that day, man, I went twice. In the last one, I had my uncle. I didn't even go back to Pittsburgh to celebrate it with him. And you're talking about the last one being the second Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one in Temple. Right. That God brought me back home. Yeah, that's right, Florida. He brought me back home. And he brought me back home. And my uncle had cancer. Level four. Hmm. And he wasn't the same at the celebration because my uncle danced all the time. And he wasn't the same. And when he talked, I talked to him. He wanted me to go back home with him because he had to see a doctor the next day. And I told him, I'll come back with y'all. And I did. Oh, man. Now, I can feel that raw emotion, my man. Uh, I totally, man, I can't even imagine. Oh, I go back with my uncle. Right. I'm the only one could go in there with him with the doctor. He got all his brothers and sisters outside, his wife. Hmm. He didn't want nobody going there but me. Right. So I go in there. And the doctor tell me. And I took over his body. Hmm. He could go anytime. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't. <laughs> now, I don't know what a Super Bowl. I'm happy. I did it twice. <laughs> so I can't celebrate it with my uncle. His way, being himself. He was a Buffalo Bill fan. Mm. But I'll never forget this day. He died. I stayed on his side every day. They called me out and they want me to do a signing. Fort Myers, Florida. Mm. Which is the west coast of Buffalo Beach. Yeah. And I did. I didn't want to do it. He hit me telling the people I want to do it. And my uncle said, I go do it. I'll be back. I'll be here when you get back. And so I went. I did this. I signed it. And I couldn't wait till it was over. And I hit the turnpike. And when I hit it, they called me and they said he was dead. When you set out as a team, 
to accomplish a goal, only you set out for, and it comes true. That feeling right there told us how great we was as a group of teams because in that, it was a lot of uncomfortableness that had to play out for us to get what we needed to get done and win games and win that Super Bowl. Seeing that confetti come down and just seeing what, what can happen when we come together as a team. Anything's possible. That's right. And it's interesting because I know you mentioned Joey Porter earlier and he made the big guarantee in that game against the Colts because remember Peyton Manning, that team was flying high. A lot of people thought that with you guys being a sixth seed and to go into Indianapolis and for him to predict that they were going to win the game and sure enough, he came up with big sacks throughout the game and to, like you said, all the hard work, everything you had to go through to get to that moment, I'm sure the payoff was more than what you could ever imagine. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a feeling I wish every young man that set out that went through so much. And once they see, they never gave up. They kept being persistent. They kept grinding. They kept working. And seeing their hard work pay off. And that's why I can always say, hard work will always pay off. Oh. I'd rather take a hard work of a young man than a talented young man. That's right. Because that talented young man is talented. He's thinking he don't have to listen. He don't have to work that extra weight and get better and better. That young man that works hard, he's going to get better each and every day because the more repetition you do, the better you're going to get anyway. That's right. Now, it's interesting because you got a lot of burn throughout your whole career, especially in Pittsburgh. And I know the following year in 06 – you uh, played, uh, I believe, against Denver was your uh, first game. That was the situation where Ryan Clark couldn't play because I know he had the uh, issue with the spleen, I believe it was. And then, oh, no, that may be 2009. I may got my years mixed up because I remember you had a big game against Denver. I think it was in the 09 season after you won the second Super Bowl where you went in and you just had an enormous game. I, I remember that, and that was on ESPN, a Monday night game. Uh, kind of walk us through that and what that uh, – experience was like being able to take over the game pretty much just uh, based on number 23 there in black and gold? Well, it's like this here. Our motto is that position, the expectations for that position, it don't change no matter who in there. Mm-hmm. There's always next man up opportunity. I always played for the quarterbacks where we go in three safeties, so I'm guaranteed by 25 snaps. But starting the game off and understanding that my brother was down and be able to see how much weight he lost and taking that spleen out, seeing my brother suffering and almost didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Man, I wanted to make sure his presence was known. And as a team, we did the same. Uh, going that Monday night, you know, I had two picks that night. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a pick six. And it was so crazy that being in that altitude, I really understand that it is enough for the takeout breath away when you have so much excitement and you make a play and knowing you're in Denver and you got to get right back on defense, <laughs> I learned it real quick. <laughs> that breathing pattern. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that's like. I've never been there, so. Yeah, so the altitude, man, it's like five five thousand something above sea level. Yeah, something like that. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, but uh, just understanding your brother's down, man, and that's what makes 
and even more talking about it today because that bond we had there, you know what I mean, that we fight for our brother. You know, one of us is down there. Now we all got to step up to carry that load. That's what we do. That's it. That's that still a mentality, you know? Absolutely. Now it's interesting because between Super Bowls, uh, 05 and 08, then the 06 season was Bill Cowher's last year in Pittsburgh, and then 07 was Mike Tomlin's first year. So, of course, I have to ask you, what was it like to not only play for Coach Cowher and Coach Tomlin, and what are the main differences between the two of them, if there are any? Well, the old, it was Mike Tomlin's second year Super Bowl. Second year we went to the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, the two difference is Coach Cowher, and I, I appreciate and respect the fact of a man that played in that level and understands what we go through on a day-to-day basis and still trying to maintain our job and maintain our position and do our job out there. He was a hard-nosed, trustworthy guy that he said what he said, he did what he did. And one thing about Coach Cowell is if he did something wrong, He's ain't a man to stand up and say he's sorry. And we will give our back to him because he took care of us. Hmm. Practice was an hour and a half, short and sweet, as long as we get done. If it ain't going down, he would restart it, go all the way from the beginning, send you back in the locker room, start the practice all over from stretch. Take your clothes off, put your clothes back on, and come back. That's 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 goes Kyle. Hmm. And Coach Tomlin, he just he's just a man above that God bless him with the unbelievable knowledge of the game uh, at his age. Uh, he understands the game. He understands the situation. He understands getting a group of young men playing together as a team. Uh, he did a great job of maneuvering that as a head coach. I commend him for that. Mm. And all he did is for me and for our guys that was a veteran team, of veteran coordinators, he let the coordinators do his thing, and he just oversee what's went on. And as you see, that's why he's still there. He's able to adapt and change things, and you know, get you to understand the, this game and what we, what the magnitude of the game about situation. You know, Coach yeah. Tomlin is, is is very, very smart on that type. You know, his tendencies. I, I love him on that part because as a coach. And as a player now, as a player and as a coach now, you tend to understand why coaches do the things they do. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm away from the game and teaching these young kids about the game, it's all about life. And it's, it's, that, that's Coach Tommy. He's a realist. He's realist. He ain't going to sugarcoat anything. Mm. You know, and that, that, that's him. So the way he's orchestrating things, taking things that may look negative and on the eye, and it comes out positive on the other side. He's a he's a true blessing from God. Wow. And it's interesting because now that 08 Super Bowl run, you had to beat the Ravens three times, and we all know that's the Steelers' biggest rival. And that championship game, I tell you, that was tooth and nail. That was what I call, Tyrone, the hide-the-women-and-children game because you know it's going to be physical, it's going to be brutal, it's going to be all of that. Tell us a little bit about your experience with the uh, Ravens-Steeler rivalry, how big it is, not only leading up to the week, but even that game, the championship game, to go to the Super Bowl. 
Okay, let me tell you. That rivalry with the Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, I'm going to put it to you just like this. Mm-hmm. Might get your jaw broke. <laughs> Might get your wig split. That type of game. Yep. So, if you ain't ready for that, man, <laughs> well, you're going to get hurt. Yep. You're going to get hurt. And having those battles right there, knowing that Baltimore is in our way from stopping us, we the kings of the north. Mm-hmm. We always say this. So, it doesn't matter how much we losing or how much we up defensively, if they don't score, they don't win. That's, That's right. That's our mentality. So, they can have a good defense over there. Hey, we got a damn good defense. We got a damn great defense. That's right. You know what I mean? We know we know that. That's what that's our that's our blueprint. That's that's tough. Defense. So going against them in the game to go to the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Is you kidding me? Is you kidding me? <laughs> we already don't beat them two twice. That's right. What you saying? We gonna pack the gas and say, Oh, we got them this time because we beat them? <laughs> no. See, when you play a Baltimore Raven game, you can throw them damn records out the way. <laughs> we don't care them about that. That's just like, you in this alley, me and you, we know what time it is. You better be ready. That's right. So, uh, take off slipping if you want to. <laughs> ass we got. <laughs> <laughs> on your, on, you know what we say? On your ass we go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. Uh, yeah, those are some so, vi- Oh, go ahead. And, and, and the thing about that, that year, Ray Lewis and I. Ray Lewis is the focal, is the voice of uh, the Ravens, and Joy Porter is the voice of the Steelers. Now, two linebackers, they get into it. Yep. So you already know. <laughs> 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 you know we can't fight fence to fence, so we go in that in that game. Every possession, we watching them. They watching up. We 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 doing that. Because now we're finna turn that right Lord. Yep. Nah, exactly. We're finna let him stop us to go from the Super Bowl. Oh, please. I mean, that's the last thing, especially knowing that you beat him twice in a regular season and then that was the game at home. Knowing to go to the Super Bowl, there was no way that you would even think about losing their game to the Ravens because you know you wouldn't hear the end of it from the people in Baltimore fans, obviously the players, when you face them next year and the year after that. I'll tell you, man, that, that must have been... Pressure, tension, everything. And watching it as a fan, I tell you, boy, it was I was down to my nubs on my fingernails watching that game. That's how great it was. Exactly. See, the thing about, I want you guys to understand, when you're talking about that team we had, we didn't care what nobody else thought about us. Mm-hmm. All we knew is if we riding on all three phases and we working on all three cylinders, we call it, Ain't a a, a mug around here done prepare and work hard for this opportunity right here this season. We ain't finna let it go. Mm -hmm. We ain't finna let it go. Because, see, most of us have been rejects and went through so much. People said we couldn't be nothing and did nothing. And now we got an opportunity. Man, we ain't finna let that join down the rental. That's one thing that Coach Cowher really honed in on because we all – understand that the opportunities don't come very often. Mm-hmm. And when you got that opportunity, you got to make sure you seize that opportunity. That's right. And speaking of which, that next opportunity was the Super Bowl. And I'm sure when the defense was on the field, when Larry Fitzgerald caught that pass and took it to the house, I believe it was like two minutes and 39 seconds left. 
I can only imagine what you were thinking on the sidelines, knowing that, hey, you got number seven there to quarterback a team to get them down the field. But at that moment, I'm sure, speaking of being tense and a lot of pressure, I'm sure with the clock running out, there must have been uh, some people sweating on the sidelines, just hoping that you get out of there with a victory. And, of course, Ben came through with the pass. And then, obviously, you guys stepped up on that last drive where Kurt Warner tried to get down and Lamar Woodley got the big sack. Walk us through your experience with that and just being able to watch Ben do his magic, Antonio making that catch, and, of course, Woodley getting that big sack to bring that second Super Bowl there in four years. Well, I'm going to tell you the feeling was mutual. Just like Jerome Bettis fumbled the ball. Mm. And we got to turn around and get on the defense and stop him from scoring for us to win this game. And we went out and did that. Going through that Super Bowl now, fast forward, we failed on defense. Our Pacific, the Pacific defense was two men. I Cato allowed Larry Fitzgerald to get inside, and two men, the safeties, is outside wide because we're trying to force them to us. Well, Larry Fitzgerald caught that swing and split both safeties up the middle. Mm-hmm. We knew right then, man, we let, we let, the, we let our team down. It was hurtful to see. And feel, but when it came, it came down to it. Our offense stood up, and that's what teams always all about. That's right. I can remember Antonio Holmes, Antonio Holmes, telling Ben, "Get me the ball. <laughs> this one you be great. That's right. You want to win, go to ten. You want to win, go to ten. Go to ten. And that man from, boy, that young man from Florida, Bell Gray. That's right. I understood. He knew that opportunity right now. It's his time to shine for the world. And there's a reason why he got MVP. Mm -hmm. Because, man, look at that catch. Look at that toe. It had to be perfect in line. For that opportunity for him to catch that ball and see that, and we be two-time world champion. One of the great catches of all That's time. A, all day. Yep. And he does it all the time. Mm. But at the end of the day, that feeling was let us know that that was meant for us. Because we never gave up. We never wasted. We never had no negative on the sideline. Oh, we should have lose this game. We never had that. You ain't finna do that. We leave that for the opponent. Mm-hmm. That clock takes zero zero. We still believe it. And that's the thing, because you had a lot of the veteran players like yourself, James Farrier, your defense, obviously the players on offense that were there, Heinz Ward, you go down the list that been through those wars and those tough times during that first Super Bowl run. So it just mattered, manifested the second time around when you're able to not only get the big touchdown there at the end, but also, of course, the defense making the big stop in midfield. Exactly, man. Yeah. And for me, me personally, I played. We was the first Super Bowl. We fought hard to get Jerome Bettis to the Super Bowl because it was in Detroit City. Mm-hmm. We got him to the Super Bowl in Detroit City. Now the next this Super Bowl here is in Florida. Yeah. Now that's my hometown. That's right. That's my hometown. 
You hear me? Mm-hmm. So that was a moment I can thank God for that. I could win the Super Bowl in my own state. Yes. Not only don't be a two-time where my state told me only two things could happen to me, dead or jail. Right. And I could tell my state that's a Republican that look at it. Look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm a two-time All-American, consistent All-American at that, and a two-time world champ. So you might well call me two-time. Don't call my name Tyrone Carter. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Nah>, absolutely, man. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. Uh, which one was sweeter? I'm sure the first one was sweeter only because the first one, that's the one you remember the most. But considering that that second one was in your home state, does that one trump the first one? Not to use that word, Trump, but uh, does that one beat out the first one? Or does the second one, uh, or does the first one mean the most to you? The, 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 the. All of them mean the most to me. Right. It's just happening in my hometown and to be able to have my family be right there to see it and witness it, that means more to me. That was saying hold to me because now, just like Jerome Bettis would say, he was home. He ended his career at home. Right. You feel what I mean? Absolutely. And having that, I, I'm thank God I had the opportunity to do that for my home state, for my community, which is Pompano Beach, Florida, mm-hmm. and also for my mama and grandmother. You feel me? Because everybody always talk about us kings just like we have this conversation now about me winning Super Bowls, but nobody really gives that mother that praise mm-hmm. and let her know that it takes the queen to make a king. So for me to be this king, it took my queen, which is my mother, my grandmother, to mold me into the man I am today. And I want to give them all the glory as well as I'm going to give God the glory and praise for allowing me to accomplish things I accomplished mm-hmm. and my grandma molding me to see the things that i never seen in myself, but she continued to push me so I can see it better. My mother to, to had to go through that heartache and pain to bring me on this earth and then had to go through so much taking care of all five of us on our own and going through so much abuse and, you know, neglect and all that, all that helped me become the man I am today. And I won't be the man I am without those. Mm. Without them. Well said, my man. I got a few more for you. Now, the 11th year of your career, you were on the practice squad in Washington and then you went to San Diego. Now, I'm sure that's not the way you wanted to go out your, your final year, even though, hey, man, blessed to be playing 11 hey, years. Ho, ho, ho. Uh-oh. Back up. What you say? Practice squad. That's what. Uh, that's just some of the research I looked up. So you know what? I got to scratch that. So that's my apologies. <laughs> I, ain't no, I ain't no practice squad. When I, you let have ten years. Do you understand that practice squad for what? For practice squad is for uh, young cats. No, nah, no I doubt. Never heard no ten year vet that that was going on my left. That's made my last year. San Diego was my left year, which they paid me more money anyway. Oh, all right. I was a player coach. I was a player coach there. Oh, okay. So I played 10 to 15 plays, mm-hmm. and I coached them to playing that 3-4 defense to what we ran at Pittsburgh right. to there. Coach oh. Rivers, <laughs> I had to teach him our defense, and now he, he's a, he was a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look but, at that. Yeah, you got to back that up. Talk about practice squad. All right. You get that my apologies, man. I, I got ahead of I got ahead of the game there. I could have sworn that that's what I saw there. So please, my apologies for that. 
But did you go out the way you wanted to in your NFL career? Did you feel as if, uh, I'm sure, hey, man, you accomplished a lot without question and for everything that yeah, we've detailed. Yeah, I went, I, listen, man, I came in the league, all I wanted to do is get five years. They say that's when we get our pension. So, shit, I wanted to do five years and going on with my, my, my aftermath. Mm. So I always had other other dreams, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, I wanted to, I worked against this system all my life that the system told me that I couldn't do anything and not, it never even gave me a chance or opportunity to see for myself I can't do it. And using football gave me that platform, and I, I just wanted to show them. I graduated early. Uh, they didn't think I'd get a degree. I got it. You know, I kept on doing those things, and that that football gave me a platform for now I can come back into my community. I can make sure our kids are educated and understand that. Don't listen to nobody tell you what you can and can't do. Hmm. You can set out for what you want. If you continue to see it, believe it, and willing to work hard for it daily, you're the only one to allow that to happen. Because the only thing we control in this world is our efforts. Yeah. If they're giving their best effort, hey, so be it. If your best effort ain't show you it ain't good enough, that means keep working. Do some more. Now you got to go ahead and be prepared because preparation is the key to success. I don't care what it says. We only going to use 10% of our physical attributes that God blessed us with. Hmm. Where do you think the other 90 is going to come from? The other 90, it comes from that mind. So if 90% comes from that mind, God says, if I have faith of a multitude, I can tell that mountain to move with no force. That's just me saying it. Okay, that 90% I'm going to work it. And they have to understand, for me, to have success, i got to be prepared. If I know what they're doing, I can be right there to make the play. Aware. Mm. And that's how all I'm doing. I'm I so thankful, so thankful that I'm able to retire 11 years. I never missed a game, never missed a practice. I never had any surgeries. I never broke a bone. Mm. I, I had 11 concussions. But at the end of the day, I'm having a conversation with you. But I only, like this game we played, we knew we were one play away from being a starter. We were one play away from being on a bench. We were one play away from ending our career. That's right. And we were one play away from ending our lives. So playing that game, I knew I loved it. And if I loved them, I don't mind going out dying for what I love. Right. And now my passion has shifted to not only pursuing my goals and dreams, I did that, now I'm pursuing lives saving lives and in the community, rebuilding our community where we could love one another, mm-hmm. stop fighting against one another, really show that color don't matter. You know, I've been called a nigga right in front of my face. Right. They call a nigga, nigga from my gopher brothers. I don't be called a nigga from my Viking brothers. It's, it's, it's just so crazy in the state of Minnesota that I never knew. They always say Minnesota nice. And now I'm always able to tell you nice to who. Mm. Damn. Nice to who. Right. We never had an African-American football head coach at the University of Minnesota, which is the only D1 college here in the state of Minnesota. Denny Green was the first African-American head coach for the Minnesota Vikings, and he drafted me. I was in there when they fired him. You go back and check Denny Green last four years, and you will say, why did this man get fired? Well, he got fired because 
he's been asking for things, and they wouldn't give him things. They're asking for a facility. They're asking for a stadium, and they didn't do it. The state of Minnesota say they would, they would give them a stadium, but they won't never give a black man. You get rid of that black man, we'll get you a stadium. Yeah. Now, can you imagine? I'm young, and I'm hearing that. And now I'm 44 years old now. I've been in Minnesota for eight years. And I'm able to see what my coach was always saying. So now I'd rather risk my life dying and fighting to change that. that I would never let nobody think our color of our skin is different. Mm-hmm. You're a man just like I'm a man. You demand respect, I demand respect. It's all started with respect and loving one another. Why we got to hate somebody just because the color of their skin or what religion or what right. ethnic background or whatever? Why we got to do that? Mm. Via a person from their heart, not from their outer appearance. And that's what this world is lacking. Yep. America is lacking on two things, man. Two is my favorite number, and I'm only going to give a man two chances because mm. everybody do too. But we're lacking on two things. We're not taking care of our kids that's coming in this world. And we're not taking care of our elders that's going out of this world. Now, if we could see that, what are we doing? We are wasting lives, man. We just worry about money. Yeah. I always tell my kids, right now today, put your hand in the pile and put your heart on this table. Let's work and let's love one another. Just as hard as we working, the hardest we loving one another. Doesn't get any better than that, man. I tell you. Exactly. And I have to ask, too, because I know you mentioned 11 concussions. Any after effects since your playing days with that? Or is that something that you've been able to, you know, just do your best day in and day out? Which, obviously, you're still sharp as a tax, Tyrone. So it's not as if I feel like, you know, there's anything wrong. But I know, hey, listen, I haven't been in the trenches like you have. So, uh, obviously, your mentals, everything is good when it comes to your post-career with all the concussions? My mental is like this. It's like riding a bike, right? You think you'll forget riding the bike? No. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Anything else less challenging for me to do, I could feel a little something, like my legs. I could feel those if I'm sitting down long enough. Right. My, my whole both legs getting on, stuff like that. But why am I worried about what what's going to happen? You feel me? No, I don't I know. just enjoy each and every day that I'm able to be here feeling good, doing good. I'm not thinking about some of that. You know, they go to these doctors and these doctors put you through all this stuff and all this testing and you get to hear that. But let's talk about this. Mm. The NFL, the NFL is full of shit. Mm. The NFL is one, it's just just like the America. They mm. rob us, they steal us, they, so that's all they is. Because my thing is, they, 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 they got so much money, right? And what is what is so hard for them to just say, if some kid gets, some young man get hurt, uh, loses mind on a concussion or whatever, what is to hurt them to just pay them? Why they fight with him, then they have this bogus lawsuit, like the lawsuit did something. But do you know people are dead, and they still ain't even take care of those families? Right. 
you got brothers out here got a struggle for the, they 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 bills to get their medications and they out here it's sick, man. I don't understand it. They it's just like America and just like they do these soldiers. These soldiers go across the country and fight for us freedom and they be worshipped like kings, but come in their own country, throw their butt to the wall when they wounded. Right. So I don't get caught up in that. I pray to God each and every day. Mm. And he's my controller. He blessed me. He know my ending. He know my beginning. So I'm just going to enjoy what I do every day. He said it to me to do it. So that's what I'm going to do. I can't play no more. I told you I'm saving lives. That's right. I'm not only a coach. I'm a life skill coach. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm teaching these young men about entrepreneurship. I'm teaching these young men about economic wealth. I'm teaching these young men about entrepreneurship. See, most people talk about education, but education, I'm going to tell you a bunch of bull crap when it comes down to African-American. Because I could go get that same education you got if you was white. You will get that white person going to get that job for the black person go big. Because you know what they're going to tell us? We overqualify. Right. So... I'm teaching my kids start their own business. And guess what? If you believe in yourself, you got to go out and get your what? You got to get your customers. You got people to believe in what you're doing. You got to sell yourself. And I'm teaching them now. My kids right now, from the age of uh, 7 to 13, they got two business cards. Hmm. They got rake leaves and they got shoveling snow. There you go. In the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So, and they start off at $10. Hey, now, not bad. Each one of them get a call. When each one of them get a call, all their brothers got to come and do the work. And they sub it out. Right. That's all it is. That's it. That means the whole team making money. And, and that, we divide it up at the end. Right, and that's how they learn. And the value of a dollar. Right. Now. They go get they set up their own bank account. And they gotta they got to save their money to the winter to the winter is all over. Now when the winter's all over, I'm gonna teach some young man that they're gonna have enough money to go get them some school clothes with. That's it, there you go. So that's the thing. We I don't I don't had enough, I don't seen enough. They say it's over four hundred years of oppression for African American minorities. Mm-hmm. Okay. I tell them this. Jesus said, you can, you can talk about me, you can kill me. I'll be back in three days. Mm-hmm. Nobody talk about the fourth day when he came back. Well, I'm here to talk about this fourth year in this country and in the state of Minnesota. Because in this country, Callan Kaepernick told y'all four years ago that this very thing we're dealing with right now today, nobody really want to talk about that. It's news to their ears. That's why I call it America. And I ain't going to never call it United till it get United. Right. I'm so thankful and blessed that we got our first, first African-American vice president, and she's a female, a queen. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, that's why I channel my energy and strength on, on each and every day I'm living. I'm 44 years old. I don't. I don't seen all my goals and dreams come reality. Awesome. Everybody man. talk about getting them, but do do you ever talk about what you're gonna do when you do have them? 
Right. You see? Yep, absolutely. But, but my mind always set me goals on another goal that I'm always going to set something. I ain't going to never be complacent. Once I get it, I'm going to set another one. I get that, I'm going to set another one. That's it. I'm going to keep setting until I can't settle no more. And I got some rapid fire for you so uh, we can wrap this up. What was your favorite stadium to play in? Favorite stadium? Yeah. See, that's crazy that people will ask that. But it going to come. When you coming from Pompano Beach, Florida, I've been through the system. Mm-hmm. Been in foster care. Been in jail. And now you playing in the National Football League. I didn't care playing this game of football, of the stadium, the conditions. I cared about the game. I love the game that I play you anywhere. Mm. So I never value looking at the best game, the best field. I had an opportunity to do my job and do something that I always dreamed. And I took pride in that because my grandfather instilled hard work in me and making my name mean something when I'm having the opportunity to do something that I I love. Mm-hmm. And I went the, – the stadium didn't bother me, man. All right. No, I understand. Michigan, played in Michigan and 108,000 fans. Ain't even bothered me, man. Look at that. So see where I come from. We got pressure bus pipes and pressure don't bust no pipes. You got to stay focused. And that music in your ears, that's what that was, music in your ear. Yeah. Who's the best teammate you play with? My best teammate? Yeah. Man, you got to be my stiller brothers, man. I got to go Troy Palomaro, Ryan Clark, mm. Ryan McFadden, Joey Porter, Larry Foote, uh, James Ferrier, JB, Jerome Betty, mm-hmm. Hans Ward, Ike Taylor, Shay Townsend. Man, we hung out together. We right now, right now to this day, we got a group chat and we talk on it to each other every day. Oh, that's good. That's how close we are. Nice. You know? Now, what about a guy when yeah. you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask you, what about a guy when you saw him on the offensive side of the ball and you were lined up and you're like, oh, man, I got to guard this guy or I got to try to tackle this guy? Was there one player when you, uh, of course, were in the league that you had to say to yourself, oh, geez, man, not this guy today? Man, I'm going to tell you, man, people don't understand. I I, I went against this guy in college and I went against this guy in the the pros. Out of all the backs, the big backs out of the head and, you know, had some tight ends and Ruben Drone. Oh yeah, he went to he went to Oregon, and man, I was hitting that boy in Oregon, man. And I could every time we hit each other, we feel each other. We talk about it right now today too. <laughs> that boy, I could feel it after. I won't let him know I'm talking crap to his face, but I'm a popping. But but we feeling that I feel it every time. The next day I be so as heck. Uh, he went to Cleveland, and yep. I'm in Pittsburgh. That's right. I'm popping him there, popping him there, man. I'm like, boy, this a hard old, hard running back. That boy, when that boy squares shows, boy, he's a he's a he's a wrecking force, man. Mm. 
No, that's a good one. Because a lot of people, they would think somebody who's been to a Pro Bowl or All-Pro. But Ruben Jones, yeah, he was a stocky dude. And, yeah, played for Cleveland. And he definitely was. He was like a bowling ball, that guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. What about Biggest Trash Talker? Biggest Trash Talker, that was that. that you might as well put T.O. and Ocho Cinco. I ain't even going to call him Ocho Cinco because he – He's from Florida, yep. and he don't went to Spanish on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's from Florida. He don't went to Spanish on man. Mm-hmm. So that's that day kind of. He know when he came to Pittsburgh, but we were about to knock his head off. Yeah. He go to talking all that stuff, sending stuff to your locker and all that stuff. That's that Hollywood crap we always said. Of course. You're going to give us some board material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was him. He he always did that. He always picked on the cornerbacks. Hey, yeah. Yep, that was his uh, mo. And my last one, and I think this one's an obvious, but I just got to ask: What was the biggest highlight of your career? Was it uh, either one of the Super Bowls? Was there another moment there in your career, just making it to the league? What was it? My biggest highlight is winning two Super Bowls. Will always be my biggest highlight. Of playing that game. You were trying to get to the Super Bowl. You dream of Super Bowl. Everybody watch Super Bowl games, and you want to be there. Right. And winning, though, that was great. But the most important thing for me is not only just winning the Super Bowls, being out there playing, being a part of it, and also coming out healthy and playing 11 successful years. Now, 11, 7-11, always win. Seven was always a blessed thing for me because that represents the number of completion, mm. right? Yep. I completed my goal by having two-time world champ, right? Now, when you say four years, you remember that four? That's right. Nobody talked about the fourth day. Nobody talked about, I'm going to talk about the fourth year. Mm. Now, seven plus four is 11, man. Thank God, good. <laughs> oh, he sure is good. That, <laughs> you see what I mean? Absolutely. Let me know. No, without a doubt. I'm loving it, man. Tyrone, what can I say, man? It's been an honor and pleasure to have you on. Uh, I greatly appreciate your time. And, uh, of course, best of luck with everything you're doing with your foundation. Of course, you can find him on Twitter. That's uh, TC Elite Foundation, right? Correct. Absolutely. Official TC, it's, it's official TC Elite training. Training, that's right. Uh yeah. I, Again, it's been a pleasure. Much appreciated, man. And hopefully 2020 will close out with a bang and 2020 we could get past everything that happened this year. But you know what? Like you said, God is good and everything will be fine as long as we just stand on our own two feet and think the right way. So I appreciate it very much. Oh, you're welcome, sir. You take care, man. An enormous thanks again to Tyrone Carter for taking the time out to share his story and experience about life, life in the NFL, etc. I really hope you enjoyed that. It was a pleasure and honor to have him on the podcast and bless us with his journey, his experience on and off the football field. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to hear more conversations like that from former current athletes, broadcasters, sports writers, bloggers, studio hosts, etc., there is one thing that will help and assist towards that, and that is to please subscribe, rate, review the j podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast. As I said at the top, Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, Player FM, even Amazon Music. If you can go ahead and do that, leave a rating, post a review. I would sincerely appreciate that as your participation is vital in order to get the J Reels podcast up in the rankings there amongst all the other podcasts, not even the sports podcast, but just podcasts in general. 
If you want to hit me up with a question, comment, criticism, praise in one of my DMs or an email the old-fashioned way, you could do so on any of my social media accounts on Instagram, J Reels, or the J Reels Podcast, which is Strictly Sports. Twitter, J Reels 1, just a number. On Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page. And the old-fashioned way by email, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Again, I'm open to whatever it is that you want to send. Please go ahead and do so. I'll be sure to follow up. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to the production of this podcast with your hard-earned dollar, which I would immensely and greatly appreciate, which I do already, but even more so if you want to take it a step further, you could do so on my Patreon page, which is www.patreon, that's P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in Nancy, dot com, slash the J Reels Podcast. Whatever you want to contribute, it'll go toward the production of this podcast, keeping the website up, upgrade of equipment, things of that nature. So again, I'll be forever grateful, indebted to you guys, not only for taking the time out to listen to what it is that I have to say about the world of sports, but even contributing to my endeavor. Again, I would thank you twice more than once. So if you don't know or you do know, this is in my blood. It's in the DNA. I've been watching, following sports pretty much since birth. Got to thank my mom for that, even my dad too. But... I love to share my thoughts, opinions, analysis on everything that's happening on the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Central to South Pacific and North Points Beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.